0: This is the Mahabharata Podcast, Episode 41, The Golden Plow. Last time, we got a little girl talk from Draupadi and Satyabama. I personally enjoyed her advice for how wives should behave toward their husbands, but I'm sure female listeners were not so enthused. Fresh news made its way to the court of Hastinapur, and the blind king Dhritarashtra reacted with one of his usual laments. He blamed his sons, then blamed himself, and then worried over Arjuna's return from heaven. Duryodhana overheard this, and it only served to remind him that not everyone in the world wished him well. To buck him up a bit, Karna suggested they take an armed pleasure junket to watch the Pandavas living in their hobo camp. To get this past the old man, they pretended they were only going on a kind of tax collecting tour called a cattle expedition. The god Indra got news of the Kauravas' plans, and sent Chitrasena and a legion of Gandharvas to intercept them. Stupidly, Duryodhana picked a fight with them and only after he was ambushed did he realize his opponents could fly. Even with Karna there to protect them, the Gandharvas made short work of the Karva army and took all 100 brothers plus their wives prisoner. I had sort of assumed that Karna was also taken prisoner, because they were all defeated and no specific mention was made of Karna. In later dialogue, it seems that perhaps he got away. It is not made explicit in the text but I sort of imagined the Gandharvas swooping down and abducting each of the Kauravas, plus their wives, while leaving the surviving remnant of the army and Karna free to run away. While the defeat was imminent, the Kaurava camp followers ran to the nearby Pandavas for help. I found Yudhishthira's reasons for helping his cousins interesting. His first reason was that while it was okay to feud with others in your family, once an outsider got involved, then the family should forget their differences and fight as one. Yudhishthira's second reason was more chivalrous. Since the camp followers had come to them for help, as kshatriyas they had no option but to respond. The Gandharvas ended up paying a high price for their attempted rescue of the Pandavas. For trying to protect the helpless Pandavas, they got nuked by Arjun's Agneya weapon. Fortunately, Indra made all better by sprinkling the famous Amrit, or elixir of immortality, over the battlefield. This revived all the fallen combatants. After Arjun defeated the Gandharvas, the Karvas were all freed and allowed to return home. The story picks up here, with Duryodhana leading a procession of his brothers from their captivity. Karna, apparently unaware of how they were released, saw them coming and praised them for having fought their way free from their captors. Karna said, How fortunate that you and all your brothers managed to defeat those Gandharvas and get away. It's amazing no one was hurt. I was put to flight by the Gandharvas, my troops were routed and I could not stop them, and I was swept along with them as they fled. There's no man alive who could accomplish what you just did, breaking free from those flying devils and escaping unhurt. Downcast and tearful, Duryodhana answered his friend, I don't resent your words because you don't know what happened. We definitely did our share of killing, but eventually the enemy's magic overwhelmed us and they snatched us up and flew us away before we could mount a defense. We were taken captive along with our wives. Some survivors ran to the Pandavas and they came to negotiate our release. When the Gandharvas refused to let us go, a fight broke out. At that point, our captors flew up and dragged us away from the battle. As we looked back, we saw Arjun fire off one of his missiles, killing vast numbers. Finally, their king Chitrasena showed himself to the brothers, cast off his armor, and embraced Dhananjaya as his brother. Once more, Arjun demanded our release. I wished the ground had swallowed me up then, because we were brought out in fetters and Chitrasena told the Pandavas what we had planned. I was covered with shame. There I stood before my wife and brothers, and now offered to Yudhishthira as his prisoner. What could have been worse than this? The very men whom I had chased away and had always been my enemy had now set me free, and I owe them my life. My only wish is that I had been killed in that battle. I would have gone directly to paradise and my fame would have been known everywhere. Now I cannot imagine how I could return home to my people after what has happened. I cannot face Bhishma, Drona, Kripa, Vidur, and I do not intend to. You and my brothers should return without me. Dushasan shall be your prince. Forget about me. I intend to starve myself here and now. Miserable Dushasan fell to the ground weeping at his older brother's resolve, and Karna tried to dissuade his friend. Karna couldn't quite understand what the big deal was. Karna was no slouch when it came to dharma, and so it was perfectly normal that the Pandavas did what they did. They had stuck to their dharma, and that was to be expected. There's no matter for shame or pride here. Furthermore, the Pandavas were living in his kingdom, and all subjects were required to aid their prince. Finally, Karna said, Look at the Pandavas, living in huts while you enjoy their lands and riches, yet they do not kill themselves. If you still insist on staying here, then I will stay with you. I cannot bear to live, because if you kill yourself, you will be the laughing stock of the subcontinent. Shakuni then spoke up. He agreed with Karna completely, but seeing his nephew was not impressed, he made one more suggestion. He said, If you cannot bear the shame, and would like to even the score, then why don't you just return Indraprastha to the Pandavas? Duryodhana did not give this suggestion much thought, he just placed his diadem in Dushasan's shaking hands and resolved to die. You might recall that we have seen Duryodhana threaten to kill himself before, but that was only to get something out of his father. This time he really meant it, and it set off alarm bells in the demonic realms. While the prince shed his jewels and silks and sat on a mat to await death, the various suras, daityas, and danavas held a conference. The denizens of hell all had big plans for Duryodhana and his cousins. They were still upset over the way the gods had tricked them and stolen the Amrit after they had helped out in churning the ocean to create it. From the cosmic perspective, the outcome of this little land dispute would determine whether the gods would continue to maintain their dominance over the three worlds. If Duryodhana backed out now it would ruin the whole plan. They needed to stop him. Just like the gods, the Asuras also had special brahmins working for them, and they had their brahmins put together a sacrificial fire from which they summoned Kritya, who is described as a wondrous woman with a gaping mouth. The Daityas ordered this creature to fetch Duryodhana for them. Like a genie, Kritya vanished and in a moment returned again with Duryodhana in tow. The Dhanavas scolded him for trying to kill himself. They said, don't you realize how important you are to us? We made vast sacrifices and performed awesome austerities to create you. It was by Shiva's power that you were made and you are destined for great things. You think you are human, but you are not. You are divine. You are in no danger because countless Asuras and Dhanavas have incarnated as Kshatriya warriors just to serve you. We already have our Asuras lined up to take possession of Bhishma, Drona, Kripa and the rest. Controlled by the Asuras, these heroes will fight your enemies ruthlessly. Their inner souls overwhelmed, they will pitilessly kill your foes, be they relatives, friends, or children. The great Asura Naraka will lend his power to Karna, and Karna will readily defeat both Krishna and Arjun. In addition, there is a horde of Rakshasas prepared to aid you when the battle comes. The demons then embraced Duryodhana and said, So have faith, we are all with you in this conflict. If you kill yourself now, all of our plans will be ruined, and you will never see your destined glory. The genie Kritya then picked up the prince and speared him back to his meditation mat. Duryodhana woke up thinking it had been a dream, but somehow sure that he should continue living and would see his enemies defeated. Inspired by the Asura Naraka, Karna was present the moment Duryodhana opened his eyes and assured him again that he need not worry about the Pandavas. At the same time, the demonic influence increased a notch among the Kurus, feeding their loyalty to this lost cause. Even Bhishma and Drona began thinking black thoughts about the Pandavas, not knowing that they were being influenced by the dark side. Thus, while not quite knowing the reason why, Duryodhana was again full of pride and arrogance, and returned to his place at the head of the royal procession, returning to Hastinapur like a victorious army. By the time they got back to the palace, Duryodhana was back to his old self. He presented himself to the court. Bhishma must have snapped out of his possession somewhat, because he was not pleased. The old eunuch was exasperated. He questioned Duryodhana, asking, What is the matter with you? Didn't I warn against this? I heard your king and father command you not to get mixed up with your cousins. And now you come in here like a conquering hero when you just got your butt kicked by hobos and flying monkeys. Duryodhana was not in the mood for a scolding so he just turned his back on the old man and strode out of court, his cronies all falling in behind him. Feeling humiliated, Bhishma retired from court and went back to stew in his own quarters. Duryodhana, meanwhile, was needing an ego boost, and, thinking back to the glory days of the Pandavas, he suggested that Karna repeat their conquest of the world, and then they could hold their own Rajasuya sacrifice, this time with Duryodhana as the star. Karna was delighted with the idea, But when they consulted their priests, the whole plan was shot down. According to the fine print, there was a limit of one Rajasuya per family. So as long as Yudhishthira remained alive, Duryodhana could never enjoy that honor. The priests were eager to please, however. So they consulted their spell books and came up with another equally expensive and extravagant ritual called the Vaishnava sacrifice. The Brahmins assured him that this was really just as cool and as big an honor as the Rajasuya but the procedure itself was kind of lame. The subject kings of India must send in some gold, which the priests would fashion into a golden plow. Then Duryodhana would use it to plow a sacred enclosure. Perhaps not quite sure if these guys were making fun of him, Duryodhana asked Shakuni and Karna if this sounded acceptable. Of course, those two toadies were all over it, and they encouraged him to go forward with it. Anything to keep the boss's thoughts away from suicide, I guess. Wasting no time, the plow was set up, The food prepared, and messengers were sent to all the kings of India and all the Brahmins to come to witness the rite. Dushasan also sent messengers to the Pandavas, inviting them to come along. When Yudhishthira received the invitation, he politely declined, saying their vow prevented them from entering Hastinapur until the 13 years were over. But rest assured, he said, we will be there as soon as the oath allows it. Still not quite sure if this was improving his image or making him look like a tool, the prince went ahead with the mock farming. Full on his food and drunk on his wine, everyone cheered and honored Duryodhana, but soon the wags of Hastinapur were making jokes about how their king was more of a farmer than a fighter. These jokes got back to the palace, and Karna did his best to keep thin-skinned Duryodhana distracted. He assured his patron that the Vaishnava was a great honor, and besides they will do the Rajasuya soon enough once the Pandavas stick their heads up and get them chopped off. Sensing the darkness coming on, Karna swore an oath to his king. He said, Hear this, elephant among kings, I shall not wash my feet until Arjun is dead. That's all for now. It's been a while, but we're nearly at the end of the Book of the Forest. Just a few more adventures and we'll be done with Book 3 of the 18. Next time, our heroes are in for a little more hardship as Draupadi is abducted, bringing to mind Sita's experience in the Ramayana. Thanks for listening.